That's very good. That was great. Uh, let's open our Bibles, please, to Isaiah 56. We're continuing our studies about the house of prayer. And uh, we really want to get our mind right in understanding it's called by His name. And it's more than just a, a way to identify when someone has a name. Uh, this is His house, and it should be a house of prayer. So let's look at uh, Isaiah 56, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, Keep ye judgment and do justice, for my salvation is near to come, and my righteousness shall be revealed. Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and keeping his hand from doing any evil. Neither let the son of the stranger that hath joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, the Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths, and choose the things that please me, and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls. Notice it's his. A place and a name better than of the sons of the daughters I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer." Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for mine house shall be called an house of prayer for all people. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the study. Pray that there be some conviction and awareness. Uh, help us to realize this is thy house called by thy name, and we are thy people called by thy name. It ought to bring us great joy, privilege, Amen. and uh, a connection and power through the relationship to being made a son of God. Help us to know what this means. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. We yield your spirit that you'd help us and to know what to say and how to say it, that you'd open our eyes of our understanding and our hearts to receive the Word of God that we could truly have the right perspective is when we walk across the threshold into the wall of the house of God, that it would be a house of prayer. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. The Bible says that he's not ashamed to be called our Father. He's not ashamed to call us his children. This is very important in Ephesians 1, 6 tells us we are accepted in the beloved. So when you receive Christ as your Savior, you not only have the hope of eternal life and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, but now you've been assigned a name and you're called by his name so thereby you have all the privilege of that title and 
Also, the Bible tells us in the New Jerusalem, he will write a new name in our forehead. This is why the Antichrist, Satan cannot create. He can only copy God or twist and pervert and destroy the perfect creation of God. So that's why the Antichrist is going to write that mark in the right forearm or the, uh, the forehead um, copying God. So this is the house of God. We need to remember this because it's very easy because we come here on a regular basis. You ought to feel welcome and loved. You ought to feel like this is your church. But we need to balance this with the holy reverential awe that this is God's house. You know, I, I say it all the time. I, I, this isn't my church. You know, people used to tell me, your little church over there. It isn't my church. I didn't die for it. I didn't shed my blood for it. I didn't say I would build it. It's his. And the Bible tells us that when you walk across the threshold, there's walls of partition. So these literal physical walls of the edifice of the house of God are typified where it tells us, I think it's in Ephesians, that he has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. It's talking about the Gentiles and the court of the women, the court of the Gentiles, the outer court, the inner court, the holy of holies. But God broke those down when the veil of the temple rent from the top to the bottom and the way of the holiness was made available for all. When you, when you come across in the house of God, we ought to change our mindset. And we need to pray this in our life. We need to make the right adjustment. Really need to break a bad habit by starting a good habit. You know, when you think about putting on your church clothes, you're going to go to church. And you're getting in your car, you're driving to church. I realize that we ought to pray without ceasing all the time. And you can pray while you're talking to someone. You can pray while you're talking publicly. I can be praying right now. You can be praying while you're listening to somebody talk. We ought to pray without ceasing. But when we pull into the parking lot, something ought to change. It shouldn't be casual. It should not be status quo. This is his house called by his name. And he has accepted us into the beloved. And something ought to change. You know, I was telling Miss James earlier, you know, we ought to have a sign, the house of prayer when you walk in. And then when you walk out, it ought to say you are now entering the mission field. You ought to have one coming in, one going out. Because we need to be reminded. Amen. Human nature is to forget. So once we remind, repetition is the key to learning. But we need a miracle. You know, I don't know if you do. We need a miracle right now. Uh, in America, in the world, uh, in our own heart, in our own spirit of uh, zeal, and uh, do we have the victory of the resurrected life in our marriages, the raising of our children, at your place of employment, whatever it is you're doing in life, we need a miracle. And some of us are still in the dark, burying our head in the sand like an ostrich. You know, the spirit of the Antichrist is raging. 
there's some wannabes out there. They've got the spirit of the Antichrist. They're not the Antichrist. They want to be the Antichrist. They just don't have what it takes. You know, they don't have the power to take over the Western revived Roman Empire of the ten nations of Europe, utterly destroy three with the uh, god of forces, make a statue talk, race, you know, it tells us what's going to happen. He's going to get hit in the head. He's going to be wounded in his right. He's going to be left-handed. He's going to come out of the sea, Judas Iscariot, risen from the pit of hell. We know all these things are right before us. And a lot of people are still just going through the motions, looking the other way, hoping it's not true, being distracted or neglecting what they know from the prophecies of the eternal word of God, the old King James. And there's a small group of people, but they're controlling everything. And unless we stand up and, and repent of our fear, and I don't know what there is to be afraid of. We're on the winning side. There's way more of us than there are them. You know, I love what that guy said. We are right, they are wrong, and there's no argument. Uh, they're making up new words to justify their wickedness. But, you know, there's a group of people. They want globalism. They want America to lose its autonomy. They want us to be controlled by Europe. Uh, and it's coming. They want to take over. Uh, they want to make a cashless society with all this crypto stuff going on. And uh, what's it called blockchain all this it's for our very eyes we can see it all this stuff the barcodes the what's that thing you take a picture of with your phone now when you're in a restaurant what's that called key what qr code yeah you want a no i don't no thanks i don't want a qr code give me a menu uh I mean, this stuff's for our very eyes they want to break down the border. I don't know if you heard this. Uh, I think it's true. President Biden is building a mansion or bought one, and he's putting a wall around it. But he won't put a wall here where, you know, because he knows he's letting them in here, and they may go over there. But they, they want communism. They want Marxism. They want to kill God. If you even think they want to put you on the terrorist watch list, this is going on all in front of us. You can fluidly now change your identity. You know, today I feel like a boy. After lunch, I may get pepperoni pizza and feel like a girl. I'll fluidly change. They can assign a gender or a pronoun. Literal insanity. And they're forcing it. And they're coming. And we need to pray. We need an absolute miracle. I've been quoting this one a lot. It is time for thee to work, O Lord, for they have made void thy law. It is time for thee to work, O Lord, for they have made void thy law. And somebody's got to stand up. There's nothing to be afraid of. We're on the winning side. Who is on the Lord's side? Come over. You know, at the Battle of Armageddon, the line's going to be drawn in the Valley of Decision. 
They'll set the battle in array. Just like in the Valley of Elam, is that it, where David fought Goliath, and they set the battle of array, and they went out to meet. Jesus will plead with them, plead with all the nation, come over unto the Lord's side. And, and right before the battle of Armageddon takes place, all of this is happening before our very eyes. At least when we come into the house of prayer, let's pray. You know, I know we talk sports, small talk, weather, chit chat. There's nothing really wrong with that. But you can do that and pray at the same time. I know some people don't believe they can, but you can. You ought to be praying for the power of God to fall. We need a revival. We need a revival of common sense, a revival of constitutionalism. They want to take away your right to bear arms. They want to take away freedom of speech. It's only free if you say what they want to say, but if you say something they disagree with, they want to put you on the, uh, the cancel culture list. You know, they can't cancel me because I already canceled them. There's nothing to cancel. I cancel you. What's there to be afraid of? Who cares what they think? Who cares what they say? We need a revival. Because, you know, and I'm, I know there was a lot wrong with the South. You know, and my, my relatives were from Mississippi and from North Carolina. And we raised tobacco. And uh, we was from the Deep South. And we had a plantation. And I'm not saying it was right. But you know why the South lost? Because the South just wanted to live. They were just minding their own business. And the North said, we will enforce our will on you. We will invade the South. Look up where they invaded Tennessee. Look where they invaded the South. Look what the, they forced their will. And, of course, they had the industrial uh, capabilities on their side, all these things. But same thing's happening right now. Common sense people just want to live, right. right? Don't you just want to do what God made you to do and serve? But they don't want that. They want to force it on you. Right. Now, this is all about the name of God. This is the only country that was ever founded on Judeo-Christian ethics. Do you realize that? France, Spain, England, Scotland, Ireland, all the monarchs of uh, the Dutch and... Uh, Italy, that wasn't founded on Judeo-Christian ethics. We're the only one. Now, I know a lot of them were Masons. That's a whole different subject. But they don't like God. They don't like the name of God. They want, it, they want, you, they want to make it against the law where you can't say Christmas. They want to make it an X. They've done it for a year. They don't want you to say Merry Christmas. They want you to say Happy Holidays. And I say it on purpose every time I go. I yell it. You know, Happy Holidays. What holiday is that? I'm not afraid of saying it. What are you afraid of? What, what's wrong with us? The intimidation and the manipulation. You have freedom of speech. And... Not only that, are you an American? You have constitutional rights through Judeo-Christian ethics, but you are called by the name of God. His name. That gives you a power they don't have. 
So thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That's why a true Jew is afraid to say the name of God because they may take it in vain. I talked to a Hebrew. He called me the other day. I'm glad I got to meet him. He gave me some really good information. And they're talking about, uh, and, and we saw a documentary on this. In Israel, there's a new archaeology site that has Yeshua, Yehamashia, uh, Jesus on there. And they're afraid to say it. These are Hebrew Christians. They're afraid it may be the wrong Jesus. That's how high they hold the name of God. They don't even want to say it because there was a lot of fake Jesuses. There still are today. They're afraid to say it. And a lot of us, you know, we, we name the name of God and let him that nameth the name of Christ do what? Depart from iniquity. It's a high and lofty. You don't want to give the enemies of the Lord occasion to blaspheme the name of God. And he said, it's my name, it's my house, and when you come into my house, it should be a house of prayer. Now, my, my daughter has a rule. Most times she'll enforce it. You've got to take your shoes off because she has stickers. Uh, she has a high-quality piece of property, kind of like I do, where these little stemmy stickers grow up, and then you step on it, you don't realize you're getting the carpet everywhere. It's not because she's afraid of dirt, hopefully not, but stickers. Now, like my mama said, okay, this is the rules of the house. You will go by the rules of the house. And a lot of people have rules in their house. This is the way we're going to do things. This is our house. We set the rules. We own it. Our name's on the title. We pay taxes. This is our house. If you come in, you do what I say, or there's the door. You know, this is our house. And, and a lot of people get run over in their own house. And it becomes almost a way of life and a habit to let other things and people violate their own home. And so you have walls. Outside is something else. It's a partition. That wall is a separation. When you go in, the rules change. When you, when you go into the, the, the walls, the law changes. This is my house. If you don't like it, you can leave. Hopefully you wouldn't say that to anybody, but sometimes you have to. Um, so God is like that. Very fearful. My house, called by my name, is a house of prayer. And he says, don't let the eunuchs say they're a dry tree. Don't let strangers which were proselytized, Gentiles who came into uh, Judaism and repented of their pagan false gods to the true and living God. Everybody is called by my name. Everybody that's called by my name is welcome to the house of God. And it's a house of what? prayer. Now, I know that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I know that you can pray anywhere. You can pray in your sleep. You can pray while you're dreaming. Hopefully you do. You can walk with God, talk with God. But there's something special about the house of God. The whole time when you walk in, you ought to be praying. Amen. 
Going to be praying. Not just when we take prayer requests and call them out and we say, okay, we're all going to pray now and in the prayer at the microphone or during Sunday school, we take requests and we all pray. That's very important. But it ought to be the Spirit the whole time we're there. We ought to be praying. And so prayer should be the Spirit that literally sat saturates and pervades everything that we do. Our mind, our emotions, our intent, our purpose, our goals to pray. Now, we need a miracle, people. We need a miracle. You know, just... I don't want to talk about the stuff I know. It'll blow you. Some of you know it. It'll blow you away, the stuff they have planned. We need a miracle. Now, the word prayer is very interesting word. It, it's more than just asking. So remember, he said, I'm a God that hears prayer. Unto me all flesh would come. And he said, ye have not because you ask not. You have to ask to take dominion. You have to invite God into your life. You have to invite God to solve your problems. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. He can be quenched. Now, the word means to harangue. It's a really interesting word. It means to draw the attention to yourself in a selfish way. Now, I know this seems weird. I could have called this narcissistic praying is not wrong. You want to get the attention of God. Harangue. Now, that means you have to do something to where you can get God's attention so that he will listen to your prayer. So it says when it goes up, it's like a sweet-smelling incense. Before the throne of God in heaven is the altar of incense, and your prayers ascend up into the nostrils of God when you pray. And when you pray, you start a war in heaven with the prince of the power of the air in the second heaven, but you are to invoke the attention of God, first of all. I need God to look at me. Now, because we know the truth and we're Baptists, well, not all Baptists know the truth. I, I should have said Bible believers. If you're a Bible believer, you know God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. You know God is omnipotent. He knows everything. And you also know He's a God of foreknowledge. And you also know He's a God of love, according to 1 John 4, 8, I think it is. 7, 8. So, if you know those things, your own knowledge of the doctrine can become your worst enemy because you're thinking, well, God already knows where I'm at. He knows everything. He knows what I need. He's so powerful, He could do it if He wanted to. I guess He doesn't want to. But then we forget, we have to invoke His attention. Here I am. Look at me. Now, that's what prayer is all about. Remember when Bartimaeus blind Bartimaeus heard Jesus was walking by and he said hell son of David have mercy on me there was a lot of people there did he just say well God knows where I'm at he knows I'm blind I need a miracle 
He'll know I'm here. There he, he must. He's right there. Surely he'll hit. No. He said, Hail, son of David. And they said, Be quiet, you blind beggar. Quit bothering Jesus. And what did he, he cried out the more, louder and louder, until Jesus said, Wait a minute, that guy wants me worse than all you do. He harangued, he drew attention to himself, and he got the miracle. Remember when the woman was sick with the issue of blood for 38 years, and she pushed her way through? Look out, coming through. I imagine she was throwing elbows, because you have to in a crowd. You force yourself, you throw get out of the way, I'm coming through. And she got the miracle. Everybody else was there. There was people touching him right there. They didn't get the miracle. Remember the old Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And he climbed up in, I don't remember how, in Sycamore Tree to see what he could see. He, he got the miracle because he went out of his way because of his low physical stature and he harangued God. So a lot of times because we know doctrine and it's so easy and, and we'll talk about this later Lord willing about all I got to do is say in Jesus name and I'll get him I'll get my prayers answered. But do you know how many people are praying at the same time? No, just, and I know you have to forget that God is omnipotent and omnipresent. Do you know what's happening in heaven right now? That the angels are praising God and he, why would God even care? I love what it says in Psalm 8, What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? Why would God even look down on us down here? He's up in heaven in the glories of, of uh, they're shouting glory right now. And here we are in the flesh living in a miserable world where Satan is the God and we need a miracle. We need to draw his attention. Harangue. You know, I hate to use that illustration, but the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The, whatever clamors the most and makes the most noise and says, look at me. You know, and that's what the liberals are doing. That's right. These self-styled weirdos are getting all the attention, look at me, and the normal people just want to live and they're not doing anything about it. That's what's happening and you know it's true. So, the word means to draw attention to oneself, to supplicate, and it means oratory worship. Now, here's another one. Because we're good old Baptists, yeah, we have silent prayers. Mm -hmm. And we love unspokens. I have an unspoken request. Or I have a, and I, there's nothing wrong with that. You can pray and God hears you. But... If you want to get God's attention, you got to make some noise. He wants you to say it out loud. Thou shalt say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea. Say it. So supplicate means to draw attention and pray. And it means salute. Now, you can't just harangue without saluting. 
Salute the brethren. Fear the Lord. Rejoice with, with trembling. Fear these, this balance we have that's in the, taught in the Bible. Now, it means oratory worship. To say it out loud. And it means, I know this sounds weird, to make a wish. Now, remember what they used to tell in the old days. Wish upon a star. You see how it's blaspheming God and it's mocking the name of God. When you're supposed to make your wishes, what I wish would happen, this is what I want to happen, I long for it to happen, I have a yearning. Then you harangue God with salute, fearing the Lord because you're called by His name. It's God's house, house of prayer. And then to have an oratory worship, but I remember even like John Wayne said, my mother taught me to pray to the North Star. It keeps away rheumatism. All these old wives' fables and things in the Old West and the way that people were taught and to wish upon a star. You know, it's like when you blow out your birthday candles before you spew phlegm all over the cake. Okay, make a wish. What are we doing? Make a wish. Close your eyes. You'll see a little kid going. And then they'll blow them out. Uh, it's supposed to be praying. You, know, you can wish all you want to. You know. Remember the old wishbone? You take the, the neck bone, the wishbone, Thousand Island, or no, not that, whatever that salad. And you pull it, and whoever whoever gets the bigger part, their wish will come true. Uh, no, you got to wish, and then harangue, and have a salute to Almighty God, and then you have to have oratory worship. So prayer is a privilege. It's very easy. The invitation is to all. It's so simple. But yet, it's so complicated. It's so simple, but it's so deep and profound. Very few understand it. Very few get their prayers answered. There's some people understand this and pray very little and get their prayers answered. Some people don't pray a lot and nothing happens. Now, remember the old saying, when you write a hot check and it bounces? Well, when you pray a prayer and it bounces off the ceiling, doesn't get any higher than that. I wonder why. We looked at these principles last week. This is still all introduction. But when we come out of the world into these walls, something ought to change. For me, for you, we ought to have a spirit of prayer. Now, I'm through for the evening, but think about this. Most of our prayers that were answered, we don't even know it. We don't know all the miracles God has worked and all the prayers is in. Now we have specific ones. We know definitely God worked a miracle in that situation. A lot of general prayers go out, intercession for other people, praying on their behalf, supplication. But, and I know you don't have to be in these walls. But I, I know Many a great miracle has been wrought by God because of the people called by His name. 
came into the walls of his house and prayed in his name and God sent help from heaven. He sent help from heaven. We need help from heaven. The Republicans aren't the answer, people. Whatever affiliation you're, that's not the answer. We need help from heaven. We need for God to hear. We need mercy. If you love America, if you want your children to have any semblance of what we grew up with and what we knew, and it's already, it'll never be that way again. We know that. Your grandchildren, your great-grand, if the rapture doesn't take place, it's over. And we need to use the house of prayer to get God's attention. And it's not just for selfish reasons. It's a principle. You do it because it's the right thing to do. And you're called by his name. So when you go into the, his house, which is called by his name, what did he say it would be? A house of prayer. And it says it ought to make us joyous. And I could gripe about that one all night. What are we doing? Mealy-mouthing, frowning, sucking on a sour dill pickle when we walk into God. You ought to be full of joy. Quit feeling sorry for yourself and bringing all your problems in here and sucking the energy out of the room and trying to be a spiritual vampire. This is God's house. We ought to be full of joy. We ought to be happy. We ought to smile. You ought to sing the songs like you mean it. You ought to have zeal. It's the house of God. It's, it's not my house. not your house. not a place where you attend services. This is the house of God. And it ought to make us ashamed. A lot of times, we're thinking about something else, daydreaming, talking small talk. It's a house of prayer. All right. Let's stand. All right, I hope you know we love you. Uh, we're praying for you. We need to